Hi, thank you for listening to With Miska. This is episode two with uh, David Deary. And this episode, the whole thing will be in English. And um, David is someone who I met uh, in Finland like a few years ago. He was in a Manala comedy club. I was uh, one of the opening acts for him. And I saw him doing stand-up, stand-up comedy there, there as an headliner. He was coming touring Scandinavia or something like that uh, from Germany. And I looked at him and I was watching his set and I thought that, yeah, this guy is really good. He's American. And he has a clear point of view. So why doesn't he have a show? Like a TV show. Or he's going to have a TV show soon. So now when I finally met uh, David here in um, Hollywood, I realized that now I can ask all these questions. So I talk about um, talk with David about about comedy, about his dreams, aspirations. Hey, he lives here in L.A. right now and all that. Uh, and uh, my life has been pretty good. Uh, since the last podcast, I directed my first feature film, a very, very low-budget film called Stay Together, uh, Kaverit. In Finnish, it's a Finnish um, found footage film, like a horror film. So we filmed me- most of the parts with iPhone. And uh, I'm editing it with the editor, Verti Virkajärvi, and uh, finishing the film. So that's exciting. We didn't have pretty much, well, we didn't have any money. But it was a really cool thing. And uh, apart from everything else, we've been working, uh, doing some commercials and uh, uh, music videos here with no office. I've been doing some open mic gigs. I'm talking about that for stand-up here in L.A. And also sending my picture to many auditions. Also, I, I've, I've gone to some auditions. Nothing major yet. I've, been able, I, I've done some small roles, but nothing... Nothing major yet, so I'm working on it. So that's pretty much it. It's been very cold here in L.A. as far as L.A. goes. It's been raining like um, almost every day for pretty much a month, which is weird. But that's all for now. So enjoy David Deary podcast. He's a real American stand-up comedian. And this is the second episode of uh, With Miska. Is that supposed to be funny or... Or is it? It's, it's a serious podcast. Do we need to decide? No, you tell me. It's your podcast. No, I I really wanted to just go look off like the top. You. Yeah, so let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Yeah, maybe I punch you in the face. You said that you're tired. I'm tired. Yeah. How come? Uh, you know, that life. What life? It's, it's the hustle of Hollywood. You know. And also having to have a job and... You don't have a job? No, I do have a job. That's what I'm saying. That makes me tired. Yeah. My job makes me tired. It's a high-end... It's a very high-end job. Especially Saturday nights. Now they have me like working... I don't want to work nights, but they have me working a sat- Saturday nights now because they don't have anybody else that can handle it. Yeah. And it's a, it's a high-pressure job. You know, I'm a pizza chef at, a, at like a high-end, fast... You know, I make like 250 pizzas... On a Saturday night, I'm the only guy in there, the only pizza chef, and it's just full on, you know. So it's high end. I didn't know that. Well, high end for pizza. Yeah, you like know, eight hundred degrees or something like that. Is it high end? No, that's <laughs> that's high end. funny. No, high end I means okay. Yeah, cool. I wasn't even trying to be funny. But yeah, that was yeah. very funny. No, high end is uh, you know obviously like popular. Yeah, it's like you know fancy. It's a fancy pizza place that gets a lot of you know attention. Do you have the tablecloth? 
No, it's not like that. It's it's just a pizza place, but it's like, you know, if you looked up, you know, best slice of pizza in L.A., it's probably on all those, like, stupid lists, and it's owned by a ex-professional skater. You know, I don't want to give publicity to my fucking pizza place, man. <laughs> Fuck them. But, yeah, it's it's just, just a, it's a hard job. Like, my neck hurts from, like, it's just physical, and it's it's mental as well. It's just like, I need 20 pizzas. I need a cheese. I need a pepperoni. What's going on, man? What's in the oven? And it's just like, there's like 30 people out the door. The phone's ringing. There's tickets flying. I got to make pizzas. You and know? you're the only chef. On Yeah. At, at, at that time, yeah. There's yeah. only one chef on you know on duty. Sometimes there'll be like a second guy. Like one of the delivery guys can do pizzas, but he, 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 he doesn't work on Saturday nights. You know? yeah. So it's like, I don't really get a break. Um, it's just a demanding job. And it takes a lot out of me mentally because, like, it's weird. Like, I'll be, like, busting my ass and then I'll turn around and, like, whoever's – there's, like, a salad guy as well. And he'll be just sitting there because there's no salads to make. And he'll just be, like, looking at his phone. And I'll just be like, man, fuck this place. Why don't they have that – why can't that guy also make pizzas? You know? If I if I owned a pizza place, everybody would have to know about pizzas, at least a little bit. It's a pizza place. Yeah. You know? All right, now I'm bitching about my job. <laughs> no, how long have you worked there? <laughs> I've been there a couple of years. I mean, I love it. I love, I'm, I'm, I'm a food guy, you know? Yeah. I love making food. I do it at home, you know? Like, if you look at my Twitter right now, I... Uh, there's I, something about Trump, I know this. Oh, thing. no, but uh, but the, the there's a food tweet on there, too, where yeah. I, like, made... I always, like, kind of tweet pictures of food and stuff, like, that I make. And uh, I got a retweet from my favorite YouTube chef, Chef John. I don't know if you know Chef John. No. He, he does a a blog called Food Wishes, and he's just a cool dude. He's like, he's not like a pretentious, you know, food blogger. He's just a cool dude. He has a great voice, and his videos are really like fun. And he's got like thousands of videos, like everything, desserts and meats and souffles and cakes and stuff. And uh, yeah, he's just a cool guy. I really like him, and uh, I watch his I, I watch his videos just for like fun. And then I made a few of his recipes, and you know, he retweeted me. That's the world that we live in. That's so great. Living the dream. Yeah, living the dream. <laughs> so you, he retweeted your uh, photo, photo of uh, his recipe. Yeah, his recipe, uh, basil ricotta gnocchi. Okay, so you have that. You really enjoy making food. Yeah, man. I'm like a. I'm like a. I would say that I'm like a pretty good home cook. Also, Bill Burr retweeted my pie crust. I made a pie crust a couple weeks ago, and you know, Bill Burr's got the YouTube video. I know that he bakes. That's all I know. Yeah, there's a YouTube video of Bill Burr making a pie crust that's yeah. like got like a million views on it. It's really funny. You should, I've watched it a few times. Yeah. And so I made a pie crust and I like tweeted at Bill Burr like, yeah, look, I'm so influenced by Bill Burr. I made a fucking pie, pie crust. And then he retweeted it. it. And it was a good pie crust. Yeah. Yeah. That, do you know him? Uh, no. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I've, I've said hi to him a few times, but I've never... I've always I've done the Death Squad shows at the at the comedy store and I've always hoped that he'd be like the secret guest, which he yeah. has done before, but he wasn't when I was on. So I've just seen him around. He was on Kill Tony once, you know. Yeah. I, I help work on Kill Tony, but you know, he's Kill Tony at the comedy store. at the comedy store, yeah. But I, you know, I don't I don't really I don't talk to people unless there's like a direct, like even when I did I've gigged with Joe Rogan, but I didn't really talk. I kind of was just like, when do you want to go up? You yeah. know, how long do you want to do? Good to see you. I don't like try to like talk to people. Should you talk to be more successful? Generally, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I don't have a plan, but you know, I don't. I don't. That's. I think it's also. It's kind of like if you have a plan to make it in Hollywood, and your plan is like when I see Ryan Gosling, I'm going to talk to him. That's just so. <laughs> 
that's just so corny. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, that's just kind of obvious, you know? Yeah. It'd be obvious if I was just talking to Bill Burr because I because he's Bill Burr. Yeah. And I'm a comic, you know? So I don't do that. I've, I've seen pretty much everybody. Hannibal, Burris, Bill Burr. All, all my favorite comics have been around me at times. Eric Andre, Louis. But I just like, you know, I just watch them walk by me and go, oh, there's Louis. And they, especially, I remember when I saw Louie, uh, I was also at the comedy store hanging out, and uh, he was doing these, like, kind of surprise shows where you could buy a ticket that day, 20 bucks, cash. Yeah, I, I was went into two of those. Yeah, you yeah. went to a couple of those. Yeah. yeah, I went to a couple of those. The very first one was, like, insane because it popped up so fast, no one expected it. And all the comics showed up at the comedy store thinking, ooh, maybe I can just hang out in the back of the room and watch Louie. Or maybe it won't be sold out. Or whatever it was, everyone kind of had this dream. Because at the comedy store, you can hang out, as you know. If, you if can, you're a comedian. If you're a comedian, yeah. you can hang out. It's great. It's very supportive of comedians. And uh, so we were all there hanging out. And uh, I was even thinking, like, I don't know, maybe I could, like, you know, stand on the side with the door guys and catch a 10 minutes or whatever but it, it was the opposite it was like no one they put even a velvet rope up like no comedians nothing stay away it sold out stay away so anyway uh it was so busy that night on the patio and everyone hanging out and i was just standing there with like the door guy at the back door and um there's no real secret way into the comedy store you park in the back lot and you walk in and suddenly i saw like i mean there's like hundreds of comics hanging out and everyone's kind of like, Louie, Louie, oh my God, Louie, talking about Louie. And then I saw him in the parking lot, and he had like a baseball cap on, and he just looked very focused. Like, But he wasn't walking fast, and he wasn't walking slow, but he was walking with the purpose of not talking to anybody, and he was just looking ahead and just slowly like had a hat on, kind of down, but not like too down, very Jedi mind tricked. And I just saw him the whole time. I was like, oh, that's interesting. There's Louie. I wonder if anyone's going to talk to him. Or say hi to him. And no one even saw him. It was sick. He just like kind of like, you know, casually just kind of walked by. He definitely did not look up, did not look around. He just straight, focused, beelined it. Invisible. Did he stay out after the show? No. Not at all. I, I, I've, that was the only time I've seen him. I mean, I saw him also at the improv one time, but he, he doesn't hang out with people. I mean, he doesn't like, he doesn't like, People taking his photo, and he doesn't like. I don't think he likes talking to people after shows. I mean, I'm not talking for him. I don't know, but you know, I could just tell he's on a mission. He wants to just do sets and get the fuck out of there and do the next set. So that's good for him. You know, I wish I could do that many shows. Yeah, half so, those shows. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing that I noticed um, when I spoke uh, at the poker night. That stage time in LA is a commodity for sure. So really, like, all the comedians, like, including you, are just wishing to have some more stage time. I mean, not all the comedians, but yes, all the comedians like me. I've been in L.A. for two years, so, you know, maybe if I was here five years and I was talking like that, I mean, that then it would be an issue. But I don't know. I think there is a level up that you have to get to, you know. It takes time, for yeah. sure. But it's there. I mean, I see other friends of mine. When I first came here, there are certain people that I saw that were probably on the level that I'm at now. And now they're like doing a lot more shows and, you know, getting a little, little baby TV spots and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's, I think it's going to be possible. Maybe not, but. Well, well, when I saw you in Manala in Finland, maybe like four years ago, 
I thought that okay, he's American. He has a really, really clear point of view that he could have a shit a sitcom. Shit right, com. right, right, right. I could have a shitcom for sure. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely have a shitcom. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm a shitcom actor. That's pretty good, man. That's actually like we could make a we could make a um we could make a funny sketch out of that. Yeah, shitcom. Hello, I am from Finland. I am shitcom actor. Yeah, huh? You mean sitcom? No, shitcom. I wanted to be very bad. Shitty, shitcom, shitcom, shit comedy. Uh, yeah, I mean, dude, there's so many American comics that are good, man. It's like it's like probably a lot like skiing in Finland. Yeah, you know, you'll if a, if a Finnish guy was over here skiing, American people might be like, "Damn, that guy is so fucking good, man! Holy shit, he must he must be on the Finnish Olympic team or something." Yeah, but nah. Probably everyone skis. Well, yeah, many, many people do. Yeah, I, I, but I get your point. Do you ski? Mm, I can. I haven't done it. Right, you could years. probably ski better but, than the average American. Just like I'm funnier than the average Finnish person. Yeah, but doesn't mean I have a, a shit com. <laughs> have you ha- have you had any like anything close to um, having a, some kind of show? Well, I mean, I've had ideas that people have liked, um, but I, I think part of having there's there's like there's definitely steps in that in those process of having a tv show that you know a lot of people don't see it's 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 interesting i mean there's a lot of work that you have to do in between that like i'm not a, i'm not a college graduate i didn't go to university or anything like that and i and i don't have connections in hollywood either so you know i could have the best idea in the world but like how do you execute it you know how do you how do you get it done if you don't have money and even if you have money, fuck it. Let's just say you have money. How do you get it done? Like, what do you do? Do you make a pilot? Do you just write it? And you, I don't have an agent. I don't have a manager. I don't have any connections. So what do I do? Do I just knock on Nickelodeon's door and be like, hey, I have this great kids show idea? Yeah, I guess I would make like a web series type of thing. Right. Nowadays, you got to make can. a web series. Yeah. yeah. But even if you make a web series, like if you look at my YouTube, I, I mean, not tooting my own horn, but like there's some all right stuff on there. You know, there's a few cartoons that I like. I made like a fake music video. And I have a lot of other videos that I just don't put up because I'm like, oh, I don't know. I mean, these are these are, these are, are good, but, you know, because I also do a show where I play videos in my show. Okay. That's what I like do. Like a live show here. Yeah, I have a live show, yeah. So, so what, what, what videos do you play? YouTube videos. Well, I, they're YouTube-style videos. They're sketch videos, but yeah. I don't put them on YouTube because I play them in my own show. All right. So I keep it live, you know? So it's like if I if I put them on YouTube, then everyone comes to my show, and they're like, oh, I saw this video on YouTube. All right. It's pretty funny. Yeah. But, you know, I, I I know it's kind of like a weird risk, and I mean, eventually I will put them on YouTube because people are like, what? We'll put them on YouTube, and if they go viral, that's like everyone's first thought. But things don't just go viral. I mean, what if it doesn't go viral? Then you just have a video on YouTube and you look like an idiot. You're a guy with like 400 clicks on a YouTube video, you know? Like if you look at my House Meister Bolts video, it's like that German rap video that I made. Okay. Uh, man, it, it's such a hit in, in Germany. And, and even in America, when I play it, people go crazy and they laugh and they think it's funny. But it's only got like 400 clicks on it because it just – if the right person in Germany would tweet that, it would i swear it would go off because literally everyone that i've showed that to that's german it's they think it's the funniest fucking thing on the yeah. planet but you know that's the thing there's a lot of steps in between um in comedy and in anything really where it's just like you need other people and you need like you need like a you need to fit in you're just a brick in the wall you know 
You're just another piece of the puzzle. Like I'm a guy with good ideas that can make people laugh, but I need the people that can get me in front of the people. I need the I need the comedy clubs to book me and I need managers and agents to like pitch me to television stations and producers to make stuff. And and you know, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, to be honest with you. But are you interested in approaching agents? Yeah, do you know any agents? I mean, I don't know any agents. What do I just go knock on I CAA's have... door? I mean, that it's just a weird thing. I mean, everyone's interested in a, in agents. Yeah, I That's have an problem. agent. I'm you have an agent. agent. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he might be a shitty agent. Is he a good agent or a shitty agent? Well, I have an audition tomorrow, and it's really big. That's I'm great. I'm very happy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Could you get me? Could you ask him if he's interested in representing me as well? I, I can happily recommend you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and there you, you go. Then you can meet if he wants to meet you. That's the first opportunity like that yeah. I've had in this town. I haven't really asked a lot of people because I'm scared that it's like that's not a cool thing to do. I don't like to ask people. Like I don't like when people ask me and and I don't like, you know, people always ask me, oh, man, how did you get that gig in Finland? Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, well, I don't want to like fuck up my connections, you know. I don't want to say, oh, this is the guy that booked me. And then th this person that I don't know that well goes to Finland and, you know, rapes a girl or whatever he does and then that's on me you know yeah. and that's the thing I don't want to ask like I don't mind asking you because you know who I am yeah. but I don't want to ask Tony uh, Hinchcliffe or you know Sam Tripoli or, or any of the comics that I know hey can you connect me to an agent because then that puts them on the spot you know yeah. because of course they can they have agents they have managers Yeah. of course they can introduce me but do they want to you know It's a bit of a that's a big it's a pretty big question. But then again, you know what they say, if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. So because uh, well, I got him because someone recommended me to him, but I was asking around when I came here 10 years ago for the first time. Yeah. So I had a map and uh, headshots and resumes and I started going. I walked into agencies. Okay. So I got two agents who were not that uh Not that bad? and Not that um, good. No, yeah. I mean, that, they didn't the, make anything happen. Yeah, that's but that's the least. other thing, yeah. I mean, people will take you. That's the problem. I mean, that's. I mean, the other side of the coin is like, I don't want a bad agent. I'd yeah. rather have no agent than a bad agent. Because a bad agent is, I mean, people will take you because obviously an agent gets paid when you get paid. Yeah. So people are like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they just add you, even if they're really big agents, you know. Yeah. You can get a huge agent and just be the 60th guy on a list of people. So when they call and they're like, yeah, we need somebody funny. And they're like, okay, I could send you Jim Gaffigan or this guy you've never heard of. Uh, let's go with Jim Gaffigan, yeah. right? And then, so then you're kind of stuck. You don't want to be that guy. So yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Do you like acting? I love acting. Yeah, I do. I mean, I like acting. Yeah, I do actually like acting. I don't think I'm very good at it. I But you, you would do like acting oh, yeah, roles yeah, yeah. and oh, stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And I love making sketches and... You know, I've written a few short films, you know. I think I'm in a good situation, you know, to work with the right people, you know. Yeah, I, I think so too. I just don't, I just got to get the right people, you know. Because yeah. I think, you know, if I got if I got plugged into the right stand-up circle, I think I'd fit right in. If I got plugged into the right... What would it be? Probably like more like Death Squad, you know, Ari Shafir, Tom Segura. Yeah. Those types of people, you know. Like a someone like that. Like if like someone like that wanted to mentor me... Even though I'm an older guy, I'm older, but I haven't How been in the game you? that long. I'm 43, but I've only been in stand-up seven years. So, Really? You know, a guy like Tom Segura or, or like someone like Bill Burr, I mean, they've been in, in the stand-up for like 20 years. So even though they're my age, yeah, I still need someone like that. I mean, Chappelle's younger than me. That's crazy. Dave Chappelle? Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. 
I think he's younger than me. I'm pretty yeah. sure he's younger than me. How did you start the stand-up? I just, like, uh, I started stand-up because, like, I was living in Berlin, and I was in a band, and I was, I've was i always been into music and stuff. I was in a band, in a touring band, and we were doing, like, these radio interviews, and I was, like, telling funny stories. I've always been just, like, a funny guy, you know, like, class clown, you know. And um, so the guy at the radio station was, like, after the show, we were talking. We went to get an ice cream. He was a super cool guy, and he was just like, man. I can't believe how like funny you are. You should you should really like do some kind of comedy stuff. And I and like I'd heard that like so much in my life that for the first time I just decided to like I don't know what happened. I just kind of clicked and I was like, "Okay, what should I do? You tell me." Like what does that mean? Do some comedy stuff. Yeah. Because especially like back in the day when I was a kid, guys told me like, you know, I remember I got fired from a job. A guy was like, "You know what? You should be a comedian. You're you should be a comedian. You'll make it as a comedian." But I didn't know what even how to start being a comedian. Yeah. Because I was a kid, you know? And where, where were you? This is the you? 90s. Where? I was living in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, what was I going to do? Like, go to, like, I don't even know what comedy club was big in Philadelphia yeah. in the 90s. And then you had another Comedy job. wasn't that big in the 90s, you know? So what did you do after that? Like, Well, I was skateboarding, and I was like, I just hitchhiked around the country. I was into skateboarding. I was into punk rock. I followed the Grateful Dead. I just did kid shit, you know? I just like traveled a lot and just skateboarded. Did you have a sponsor or anything? No, nothing. No, just living in a sleeping bag, just sleeping in the parks and Really? Yeah. For how long? Uh, for like three years. So how was that? Drugs? That was amazing. Yeah, tons of drugs. Well, no, not really. In the beginning, drugs, but then no drugs. That's kind of what set me off. I mean, it's a long story, like, honestly. Yeah. It's a super long story. Well, you, uh, you can tell me. I mean, I'll give you the, 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 the quick overview. I should do a bunch of different podcasts and yeah. just focus on, like, one thing per podcast. Yeah. But I just did Steve Simone's Good Times podcast, and I talked for two hours. What's that noise, by the way? Oh, that's the church bells. Oh, church bells. Okay, yeah, cool. It's, uh, Praise Jesus. Yes. Happy Jesus MLK here. Day. Um. Yeah, I just did Steve Simone's podcast, and he, and at one point he just goes, all right, that was two hours, dude, and I was still going, you know? I was just blah, 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 and I was going from this point to that point to this point to that point. So let's focus on, let's focus first on uh, how I got started in the stand-up. I okay, think that's a good and story. before you start, I think you want to hold the mic, you don't want to hold it there. Oh. It gives a little bit of noise. Oh, okay. Much, so. Is that good? Yeah, it's, as long as you just hold I the see, because if I move the cable, it kind of, yeah. okay, makes noise. Th there's no problems, but it's just better. All right, you're going to have to edit that out. I don't like it. Anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> I do know how to hold the mic. <laughs> I swear to God, I know how to hold the mic. <laughs> I've been doing this for a few years. So yeah, just long story short, When I was like 16 and 17, yeah. I got into eating psychedelics, you know, LSD. I was smoking weed. I was going to Grateful Dead shows, and it just blew my mind, you know, wide open. And I just wanted to live that, you know, electric Kool-Aid acid test, Jack Kerouac, the Merry Pranksters, the Grateful Dead, Bill yeah. Graham, 60s psychedelic. I wanted to live that life, you know, on the road, easy rider, those types of influences. So I literally hitchhiked across the country with a friend, and... Went to some hippie festivals and went to see the Grateful Dead. And, you know, I did, and it just, I did that for a few years. And, uh, you know, then I lived a regular, you know, then I lived in San Francisco and did it, you know, and I was into a bunch of different things. I've always been into music. Uh, I was into graffiti. 
I was, uh, and I was just, you know, heavily into this like alternative lifestyle. Didn't never, never finished high school, never went to university. I've just always never really had a full time job. I've just been kind of like a true beatnik, I would say, you know, living this kind of like life of like, what's going to happen tomorrow? I don't care. What's going to happen today is I'm not going to fucking work for the man. That was pretty much my life. Yeah. And then, so I was living in Berlin. You know, so that's what took me to Berlin as well. Yeah. All that shit, the music and all that shit. So I was living in Berlin, working at this ping pong bar a couple and times bef a week. Before we go to Berlin, but I just want to. Doesn't it get like tiring? Yeah. That Doesn't everything get tiring? Sure. Yeah, everything does. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, some days you wake up and you don't want to fucking live in a squat that leaks, you know, with a bunch of drug addicted punk rock kids. Is there a sure. party all the time? I mean, party. I mean, drugs alcohol. yeah yeah but it's not a party it's just that's maintenance you know <laughs> when you live with like heroin addicts it's not that, that's a, a different level of party you know because it's not fun it's just like I, it's work it's like i gotta get this heroin to like yeah. that's that's what it was so yeah i lived in a squat in san francisco for a while with like one room was alcoholic kids that's who i lived with and then the next room was uh was heroin addicts and then there was another room in the back of the house that was speed freaks and um That was pretty wild. And the dude who owned the house, like, let us live there. It was just like a beat up, old, dilapidated house that I don't know. The guy, there was a guy that owned it that I don't know, for some odd reason, didn't want to fix it up. I don't know what, I don't know much about the owner, but we were cool to live there. And so, yeah, I lived there with a bunch of alcoholic kids. And I was, I was like pretty clean at the time. I didn't do any drugs or drink. So that was kind of a crazy. So, how life. did you use your time? I skateboarded. Every day I would skateboard and just, you know skateboarding and just hanging out you know yeah a lot of skateboarding though this is the 90s san francisco this is when skateboarding was like you know what stand-up comedy is today skateboarding in san francisco was in the 90s it was yeah. just full-on scene and there was like professional skateboarders there's spots and you could just go to the spots every day and hang out and see amazing skateboarding and yeah and i mean there was like lots and lots and lots of spots There was, it wasn't just like, yeah, go down to the skate park and everyone's going to be hanging out. There was about 40 or 50 different spots and you could go to any one of them and there'd be people skateboarding there and you'd be like, oh, cool, who are these guys? And people would be visiting from out of town and I met, I have lots of old friends from that era and lots of friends who made it in skateboarding from that era. So it's, you know, it was a good time. It was an exciting time, you know, to be in San Francisco. Yeah. And then to Berlin. Yeah, so I was living in Berlin doing music stuff. I was in a band at the time. Like you I play, sing? I was playing bass and writing all the songs and producing and stuff. Okay. You could look on YouTube. There's one video from... That's that's also a whole podcast could be dedicated to that band and that, that whole story with the band. It was so... What it's is it just called? ridiculous. AJ Pitt. AJ. AJ P-I-T-T. AJ Pitt. So you can see one of the songs on YouTube. Uh, it's called... Um, what is it called? How We Do, I think. How we do it, how we do, I gotta look it up. But uh, I was living with this model, this American, this Hawaiian model, and uh, you know, he was he was just like an it guy, you know? Like a GQ kind of guy. He had like a lot of friends. He was like a Hollywood kind of guy. Yeah. And he was a model and he got he had, you know, big modeling jobs and lots of money. And he was friends with a guy who's now called Boys Noise. Do you know that guy? DJ. No. He's a DJ from Hamburg, uh, huge techno DJ now. Yeah. Boys Noise. But at the time, he was called Kid Alex. So he was doing like this kind of techno band, like a live electronic rock and roll band. And uh, 
so the, my friend who's the model, his name is Chemo, he was the singer of Kid Alex. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Boys Noise, he's like pretty genius with the production. He's pretty like, I mean, obviously he's now, he's huge. He's like one of yeah. the biggest techno DJs in the world. And so they got a deal with Universal and all this shit, but they ended up kicking Chemo out because he's just kind of like a, he's kind of a fuck up, you know? Like he's a good looking guy, but he just doesn't want to work and he's not, he's not like ultra talented, you know? His talent lies in just being in the right place at the right time, you know? So the, the label was like, nah, we don't want this singer. We want like, you know, we, they wanted Boys Noise to be the front of the band. Yeah. Boys Noise was like, ah, he's kind of like a producer type. That's why he ended up just being a DJ because he was like, ah, I don't like this. Yeah. So anyway, I lived with that model guy. And so he wanted to start a new band. I started a band with him. I wrote all the songs. He got these other dudes to produce it. So we worked in the studio and uh, it was going well. And then, uh, you know, we had an agent, we had a booking agent and we were like opening for big acts like Rat Tat Tat and uh, Lady Hawk and like just big alternative bands. And um, yeah, it was going well and he was going to put the record out and we were probably going to do festivals. I mean, it was a huge agency that was like repping us. So I was like, all right, this is it. I'm just going to be doing this, which is fine. I mean, I, I, I didn't like the music. I didn't love the music. It wasn't like, you know... It was more like functional. It'd be like working on a show you didn't like. You yeah. know, oh, I'm on this comedy show. I don't like it. It's pretty cheesy, but it's money. So I was cool with it. But then one day, you know, it just things weren't going well for the model guy. And, you know, he was just doing drugs and just his his ego is very fragile. So he quit. Anyway, that's a long story. So Actually, he quit I, and the band ended. One day he just emailed us and he was like, I don't like the way things are going. It wasn't going fast enough for him, you know, like the agent... It was we, we had gone one year and we had opened up for all these great bands, but we hadn't put a record out yet. We hadn't got a deal yet, and we and he wanted to really do festivals, and he was really pissed off that the agent didn't give us festivals that year. So we're sitting like in an, in a meeting, and it was like you know we didn't do festivals that summer. So it was September, and we were sitting in the meeting with the guy, and we were reassessing what we were going to do. And I mean the agent, I mean this guy owned the agency. So the guy who repped us owned the agency. Yeah. And he had like 20 booking agents working for him. So we had the guy who owned the agency because the singer was friends with him, quote unquote. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the kind of guy he was. He had fucking powerful friends. And then the singer quit. Yeah, because the singer was sitting in the meeting and the guy who owned the agency. Yeah. By the way, who booked Justin Timberlake yeah. and Amy Winehouse and Michael Jackson when he was alive. Yeah. Stuff like that. And Amy Winehouse when she was alive. So he, that guy was in the meeting, and he was like, look, next year, I'm going to put your record out in February. I'm going to put you on, on tour in October with this band, Das Pop. You're going to do two months of touring around Europe. Then in February, I'm going to put your record out. I'm going to put you on your own tour in February, and next summer, I'll blast you on the festival scene. Yeah, which and makes sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah, but it wasn't quick enough. No, it wasn't quick enough, and the next day, he quit via email. He just emailed us. Yeah, I'm not into this anymore. I quit. I'm not, it's not fast enough, all this shit. And I was like already doing stand up at that time. So I yeah. was like, fine with me because I want to do what I love. I don't want to do, I don't want to like make you famous. You know, I don't want to do this thing. I mean, I liked it, but it just felt a little bit like selling out. You know, it felt a little bit like making cheesy pop stadium. So it was pop, not punk. It's no, it's not punk at all. It's like rock. It's like indie rock. Yeah. Like the Strokes. Not the Strokes, because they're like a pretty good band, but but more like the... I don't even want to mention any names. It's like the Hives or something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? 
you know, Green Day or something like it was like stadium pop. I mean, you'll hear it. It's like very like produced, and you know the lyrics are like you know only going to be like you know catchy and yeah. You know, it's it was all about trying to get the the, the young girls uh, and the young people, you know, the safe sell sell telephones type of money. It was it was a money making. Scheme. Yeah, so it was like a rock uh, boy band. It almost. was like a rock boy band, but yeah. you know, we were adults, unfortunately. I mean, if we were yeah. younger, it would have like popped super. If he was young, it would have popped. I still think those songs that I wrote, I yeah. still have them. We never put them out. I still have them. I still think those songs that we wrote, I still think I could sell those songs. If there was like a boy band in LA, I could go Will in you? and just sell Will you them. Go- Are you going to do it? I mean, I would. Do you know anybody? You know, I don't know anybody, so... Well, I know Chaco, the Finnish guy. He's a m- music producer. All right, well, so. if he needs songs, I've got a few songs. He has done something for Backstreet Boys. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I've got rock and roll songs for rock bands, pop. i got about five songs that are... i got a couple that are really, I think, are actual pretty big hits. That's good. Yeah. Let's sell them. Let's do it. So, but you did really pretty well in uh, stand-up in Europe. Yeah. Once I started the stand-up, um, that was the thing. So that radio guy told me to start the stand-up show. We were, I remember we were sitting there eating ice cream, and he was like, yeah, you should do stand-up. You should do comedy. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. How do I do it? And then he said, okay, you, you, you got any friends with bars? Do you know anybody that owns a bar? And, and ironically, I did. So I was like, yeah, I have one friend. He owns a bar. And he goes, okay, just ask your friend if you could – do a show at his bar, and then, you know, set up chairs, maybe 30 chairs and a microphone, and then tell uh, seven stories. That'll be a show. Seven stories. I mean, you've got great stories. If you could do seven stories, that's a that's a comedy show. And I go, all right, I'm going to do it. And then we picked a date. I think it was probably summertime at that point, you know. We picked a date. And I remember I did my first show August 2nd, whatever. It'll be eight years this August, so whatever that is. 2000 whatever and um yeah and then i shit my fucking pants for a month and a half and um i remember i like called my friend i was like yo man can i uh can i do a a comedy show in your bar and he goes uh i guess what what what's it gonna be and i go i don't know just i'm gonna tell some stories and he goes all right I mean, you're not going to charge any money, are you? And I go, yeah, I'm going to charge three euros because I if if I'm going to bomb, then I then I just think people should pay for it, you know. And also, if I bomb, it's worth three three euros. They're going to have a good time watching me fucking bomb. It's going to be hilarious. So I don't want to do it for free because then people will come and I'll bomb and I'll feel like shit and they'll get enjoyment out of watching me bomb and I won't even get anything out of it. And he's like, oh, all right. I mean, do whatever you want, but no one's going to come. I'm pretty sure no one's going to come. For three euros, no one's going to come. And then, uh, yeah, like kind of crazy shit happened, like like a weird like things lined up. First off, Facebook was so much newer, especially in Europe. Nobody was really – people were just getting on Facebook. Yeah. And it was like at that time where – I don't know if you remember, like you could post pictures, but you couldn't – there was no events. There was no events. There was no fan pages. Everybody was still pretty much on MySpace for the commercial stuff. 
Yeah. Like, hey, check out my band on MySpace. It was all about MySpace. Yeah. And then Facebook was like more personal. So people were like, oh, I like Facebook because it's like no one's trying to sell me anything. It's more personal. So I like po- I like made a little flyer and I posted it on Facebook. And then somehow, like without me knowing it, everybody was taking my photo and posting it on their Facebooks. Like all my friends were like, whoa, this guy's really funny and he's doing a comedy show. What the fuck is this? And Berlin loved, used to love that. I don't know if they still do, but like the people of Berlin used to love secret shit. Like if there was a party and you couldn't find it, that was the best party in the world. Like they wanted to go to weird places. I mean, the internet kind of ruined Berlin because now you could just map. Oh, Google Maps says it's around this corner in this alley. But before it was like really hard to find places. You had to know people. You had to knock on doors. You had to go back and climb this fence. And so my comedy show kind of fit that. It was like nobody knew what it was. And it was a solo show. It was a solo show, yeah. Just that talking or videos? Well, I, at first I didn't know what it was. It was going to be seven stories, you know. Yeah. I had already made the flyer and picked the date before I knew really what it was going to be. I just had this card. I remember I had this cardboard, piece of cardboard at my house, and I was writing down things that I thought were funny, you know. Yeah. Like I can't even remember what they were, but I, you know, I was like writing stuff down, like just two words, you know. Like, oh, uh, Skype or whatever, you know, email. I don't know. But, and then I had a friend visiting me from New York who, he's like a filmmaker. He's a photographer, filmmaker, works in movies and stuff like that. And I was like, dude, we got to make some short films. You know, we got to make some little videos because I don't know what this is going to be like. And if I start to fucking bomb really hard, I want to have some kind of videos to show. And I was really in the Chappelle show at the time. So yeah. I was like, yeah, let's just do some like funny Chappelle show skits. So I made one that was like a, a, a riff on those European late night sex lines, sex phone lines. Oh, yeah, on the t- on TV. Yeah. Yeah. So I made one. And they were all, obviously everyone in Germany and Berlin, they, everyone knows them because every night they're on. So I made one that was like me in my bedroom. And I was like, hey, I'm motherfucking David Deary. And this is my sex line. I'm David Deary. Call me. I'm going to get naked for you on the phone. It's sexy. And then there was like, at first it was like me and like, I think my underwear and a t-shirt. And then like the very next shot is me buck naked on my couch, just spread eagle. And then like a little tiny blur over my dick. But I was naked. I was like full on naked. Uh, And then, uh, and then I'm like bending over, like spreading my butt cheeks. Yeah. Yeah. It was like wild. So, and uh, yeah, that one got like a great reaction um, it was really, it was really funny. Uh, and the other one I made was like a, a riff on um, uh, Girls Gone Wild. Uh, do you remember that DVD series, yeah. Girls Gone Wild? Yeah. So I made one called Heavy Metal Gone Wild, <laughs> where it's like, do you love to watch guys banging their head, listening to metal? Yeah. Now you can all day long with Heavy Metal Gone Wild. And like I had all these metal riffs, and then me, I had this like, this um, this like, this wig that I cut into a mullet. And I was just like banging my head. There was like, you know, I just put like this music on like, and I just like, like bang my head. Like, you know, I was just banging my head everywhere. And it was just like a 30 second video, you know, order now. Heavy metal gone wild. Yeah, baby. You'd like to watch a guy head bang in a supermarket. Yeah, you do. Fuck yeah. Heavy metal gone wild. Yeah. So that was, that was cool. But the best uh, thing that I did in that, the best thing that I did that turned out to be such a mistake but also one of the funniest fucking things in the world was because 
Okay, so everyone in Berlin was always late to things. So what I did was I on the flyer, I said, show starts at 9 p.m. sharp. Please don't be late. That was like on the flyer, right? So my idea was what I would do is I knew that people would still be late. So what I was going to do was like, you know how you go to like an art opening and there's like a video installation where you could just watch it. Yeah. It's just kind of like in the background and it's like cool art. You like look at it and then you like kind of like talk to your friend and drink and then you kind of like watch it. I was going to do something like that. I was going to do this like 30 to 40 minute video where it starts at nine and then it's real time me getting ready for the show. Uh, you know, like I'm doing push-ups and I'm like, I'm taking a shower. Yeah. But in real time, it's it's all just like, you know, if the shower is 15 minutes, it's a 15-minute part of the cl- movie. Yeah. So I take a shower. I do some push-ups. I brush my teeth. I shave. Uh, I get dressed. And then I leave my house and I walk to the bar, which was about literally a 15 or 20-minute walk. Yeah. And it's real time. The camera follows me. And then when I get to the bar... I was going to like – I in the video, when I get to the bar, I look into the camera and I go, ladies and gentlemen, it's the motherfucking David Deary show. And then the screen goes to the logo and the music comes on. And, and like in the video, I pull the door open. And then in real life, I pull the door open and I walk into the bar and then the show starts, right? Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, and I just kind of thought while the video is playing and I'm shaving and showering, everyone's just going to be like hanging out, getting there. People are going to be late, get get some drinks, stand around and wait. And then when I open the door uh, in the video, people will notice maybe on the video or not or whatever. So what happened was in some kind of weird fluke, um, you know, I'm, I'm at home with my friend Chris uh, rendering the DVD – and I get this text message from the girl working the door, my friend. Teresa texts me and she says, there's like 100 people here right now. Where the fuck are you? And I texted back, ha ha, very funny. Because when I set it up, I set up the room and my friend who owned the bar was like, how many people do you think you're going to get? And I was like, I think I'm going to get about 35. That's yeah. my goal. That would be a sellout for me. I'd be so psyched to get 35. And he goes, nah, no way. I don't think so. I go, I think so. I kind of feel like... Some people have been talking about it. I mean, I know I'll get at least five or, or ten for sure. So I think they'll bring friends, right? And so <laughs> I, I t- I, she texts me, there's 100 people here. Where the fuck are you? And I write back, ha-ha. And she goes, dead serious. And then, she, then my phone rings. And I'm like, what's up? And she's like, I'm not even kidding. There's there, The room is absolutely fucking packed. There's people standing in the back. It's, where are you? Everyone's like asking where you are. This show, it said the show starts at nine o'clock. It was nine o'clock, you know, and it's yeah. Germany. And everyone was like, okay, we go there on time when you say on time. And so I'm like, oh my God. So fucking Chris burns the DVD. He runs out the door, goes to the place. He puts the DVD in. I didn't even have time to be nervous or anything. But what I realized is when I get there is everyone is sitting and watching the movie. Yeah. Like totally in awe of the film like it's a real film you know they're watching like my short film just sitting there like watching it and i remember like afterwards my friend told me she was there with this rapper defari he's like a pretty big west coast rapper and um 
<laughs> and he looks at her and he goes, he goes, what, what, is, what the fuck is going on, man? And she goes, I don't know, but this guy, he's really, really funny. So I'm pretty sure something funny is gonna happen. Just keep watching. And it was like a 40 minute video of me showering and shaving, and and, and, and nothing, nothing being, happened. Nothing, nothing being funny. Nothing happened at all. Which, in the end of the day. Turned, turns out to actually be one of the fucking funniest things of all time. Yeah. I trolled the shit out of that. My, the very first thing I did turned out to be pretty fucking genius. Yeah, you know? yeah. You should publish that. I don't know where it is, actually. I, 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 the guy that made the video, I'm not friends with anymore because, you know, there, there, there's another long story there where, like, you know, we, we went on to do something like 20 shows together all in the same format. We made videos. We did original, uh, you know, kind of stand-up stories and stand-up content. Um, for for a couple years, and um, I mean, we did great shows, and um, we, we we plan on making it like its own thing and like touring the, the the shows around and trying to like do them in other cities and other other places, which unfortunately we never got to do. But um, uh, it just became like a you know one of those classic Hollywood you know f scenarios where it's like who's in control, whose show is it? He was jealous. And it was a good show, and then then it stopped there. Well, I, I kept going, you yeah. know, all my own, hmm. but it, it was better with him for sure. It would have been much better with him, yeah, because he's a great filmmaker. He's a great director. I mean, if you see some of the old videos, which I have on a hard drive, I mean, I could definitely show you some of the old videos we had. I mean, they were yeah. some. There were some super good videos that we made, like really, really funny stuff, characters, and I mean, for what we were doing at the time, I'd say it was like very, very high level. It, it easily could have easily could have taken off yeah is I he mean, still doing videos uh he owns a coffee place a roastery now in berlin in berlin so i yeah. think he's like pretty busy i'd like to talk about the la a little bit so yeah. why did you come here from berlin when why oh yeah, uh, why when and well why? I, you know i wanted to try to take it to the next level i mean the problem with germany is like i said i think that show easily could have taken off if germany was more receptive to um english It, it's not it really isn't like especially on an industry level you know because like i said like th even that video i made like some of the things that i did like really should have been bigger than they were i mean even i, I was on that show nightwash in I germany watched, i watched uh, one stand-up thing in germany yeah was it nightwash Yeah, the, like, and you said like "fuck you, fuck you." Fuck oh you. yeah, that one's okay, but the, but if you watch the one Mid Fargo League Heighten, that like, yeah, the, I mean, yeah, the, I didn't. Yeah, anyway, if you watch the one that I was on, I mean, that one was okay. It was okay, you know. When I say "fuck you," I mean they don't really get that kind of humor, so it wasn't really probably my best set. But I think you you talked a lot of, a lot about Germany, and I think they liked it a lot. Yeah, but on the first one I was on. I talked a lot of, only about Germany, and it was like such a like a a, a good bit. Um, you know, even if I say so myself, it was just like, and it just didn't get what I feel like it deserved. Yeah, you know, I mean, if that was it was on TV, it was on TV, yeah. and it was on the internet. But then it's like the way Germany works; it's just like there's just people just didn't respond to it because it was in English, you know, and. Um, Yeah, it's interesting because, like, you know, there was a girl on the same show as me uh, who's, like, very good-looking, and she's Turkish, and she doesn't even really do stand-up. Yeah. She just kind of talks about her family in and German. her shit it, it, in German. Yeah. But she's a foreigner, you know? Yeah. So, so her shit fucking blew up and took off, you know? And it's just, like, a weird thing where it's just, like, I just, I just didn't want to, like, stay in Germany and, like, fight 
uphill against like an industry that didn't want me and you know I, I could I feel like I would have done it. I, I would have been like a cult classic hero, you know, if I if if somebody would have like embraced me. Yeah. Anybody. You know, I mean, it was lucky to even get on that TV show because the original host of that TV show, the guy who created that TV show saw me and um, he's like, no, I, I won't put you on the show. Not even, you know, you can be on TV or you can just be online or you can just be on the show Yeah, for live. And he wouldn't even put me on the show because first, because whatever. because he wanted me to do it in German. He was like, you should yeah. do it in German. You'd be you'd be so much more famous if you did it in German. Yeah. Did and you I, do anything in German? No. Because I don't want to, you know? Yeah. That's the whole point. It's like, I don't want to be famous. I want to be good at yeah. what I do. And the best opportunity for that is in my own language. So you, and then you decided to... Well, I decided to just try something else. And I mean, I was like sick of Germany and I, I peaked out there. You know, I did it all. I was on TV. I had done big shows. I I had done my own show in other cities. I had, you know, done all the English Tour speaking Europe. shows. I toured Europe. Yeah. I did all the English speaking stuff in Europe. And, uh, you know, there wasn't that much money there. And more importantly, there just wasn't a, a higher level, you know? Like the thing that I did in Finland, that's pretty much as far as I'm going to get in Finland. Maybe I could do that again two, three times. But it's not like there's a there, it's not like there's TV people in Finland that are going to come see me and be like, oh, yeah, 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 we need to have that guy. So I just needed something. I wanted to try to get to another level. And, and L.A. turned out to be, you know, ideally the best opportunity for me. You know, I could have gone to London. I could have gone to New York. I could go to LA or I could go to some like underground city in America, like, you know, Austin or Portland or Seattle or Philadelphia or something like that, Chicago, and try yeah. to like. Can you tell us a little bit about the scene? I mean, I know it because I've been touring the open mics, but like for someone who doesn't, hasn't toured the open mics here, buckets. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like uh, interesting. It's huge. It's huge. There's so much comedy and there's so many angles of comedy and levels it's like a it's like a layer cake you know yeah because there's the best people louis ckes and all that yeah. you can see them yeah. many nights a week Bill oh you Burr. can see the best comics in the world a lot of times for free any night of the week any night of the week there's great comics and great shows any night of the week there's like really 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 good comics Any night of the week, there's there's good comics that no one knows. I mean, there's there's every layer. There really is. There's so much comedy right now. There's improv comedy. There's actors and writers workshops. You know, there's guys like Dan Harmon doing live podcasts every week. There's Doug Benson doing live podcasts every week. Kevin Smith. Yeah, Kevin Smith doing live podcasts once a month. Uh, there's so many things like that where you're like, I mean, and that's a good thing. I kind of like that because, you know, there's such an opportunity here to just be yourself and do your own thing, you know? There's guys like Vic Berger, um, you know, and Tim and Eric and Eric Andre that do, like, weird, you know, like Vic Berger, if you don't know Vic Berger, he's one of the most incredible internet, you know, video makers that's out right now. He does all the super deluxe stuff, and he just re-edits interviews and Donald Trump and all these people to, to look weird. Yeah. And I don't know if you ever saw... Like no, there, I haven't. There's one called Steve Harvey Doesn't Want to Host Family Feud Anymore. Yeah. And he just takes all these Steve Harvey clips and make it he makes it look like Steve Harvey's having a meltdown, you know? And he, it's, it's just edited so flawlessly that it looks real, you know? And he'll take Donald Trump, you know, 
speeches and make it look like he's just saying like really weird shit and it just looks it looks awesome and it just he like moves the camera around and like puts it adds in noises and like you know silence and it just it's so incredible you know and and um that's just like a new to me that's like a new wave of of comedy you know like what what could that i'm he must get offers to do so much work you know i can imagine But currently he's just on YouTube. I have no idea what he does in his real life, but yeah, I, I see him on YouTube and Twitter. Is it, does he perform live? I don't know. He might. I have yeah. never seen him, but I mean, I've, I saw Tim Heidecker one time from Tim and Eric, and he was so fucking funny. Yeah. But he right. wasn't doing stand-up. He was on like more like a panel show. They were, they were like live tweeting the Democratic debate when that was happening. Yeah. And he was on that panel where they were like showing the debate on a screen and then in the side screen they had everyone's Twitter feed. So everyone was like tweeting things while the debate was happening. That was really fun. Yeah. And then they would also like kind of interrupt the debate once in a while to like say stuff. And then after the debate, um, actually they were like kind of on a delay so they would like pause the debate and then they would have like a little like five minute rant about stuff and 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 he was so fucking funny yeah, yeah. he was like one of the best and where do you see yourself in them we talked about this already earlier but like uh what kind of shows do you do now and what what kind of shows you want to do you want to well, do I death do, squad yeah yeah I, i do bar like the best things i get now are like i do bar shows a lot um Which are interesting, which is still mostly like comics, but there's always some like regulars at the bar. I mean, they they can have audience members. You never know what's going to happen at those shows. But I also do some. But this is in interesting. When I came here, that most of the sh open mic shows, there's just comics in the audience. Only comics, yeah, because there's so many shows. I mean, why would you go to an open mic unless you're just like a freak and you like? <laughs> I love comedy so much. I want to see like where it starts. It's the only reason to go to open mics, you know. Do you think the producers even promote them? The guys who run the open I don't mics. know. I mean, well, how could you? Who would you promote them to? Yeah. Because <laughs> if you love, if you like comedy, like let's say I have friends who like comedy, right? Why would I fucking promote an open mic to them? <laughs> yeah. If you can see someone, yeah, in the comedy stuff. Hey, you like comedy, right? Hey, I could either <laughs> get you a free ticket to the comedy store, or, <laughs> or wait for it, wait for it. I could, I could send you to the most depressing thing you've ever seen i mean they do they're like they're less entertaining than aa meetings you know there's only one open mic that i think is decent in terms of watching it and it's such a fuck up meltdown it's so ridiculously bad that it's good and that's the show up go up at the comedy store on sunday nights okay what's that i like watching it you've never been to the show up go i've up? been a couple of times but I right you want so, the people to know so someone runs it and you can send twitter stuff oh there's all kinds of shit it's like yeah. it's like it's just like open a mic bingo it's a wacky open mic where it's obviously only comics but it's like it's, it's it's like a cult almost like a cult following the guy who hosts it is just like a maniac sometimes he's super drunk sometimes he's angry you don't know why sometimes he's in a great mood And, you know, he just, he's random as fuck with how he runs it. You know, there's a bucket you could pull names from. There's a bucket you could get a receipt from the bar and put your name on a receipt. You could text him something funny and every once in a while he'll read all the texts and every once in a while he'll just pick a really funny text and be like, all right, you're up here. Who, who sent me that text? Get up here and get yeah. three minutes of time. You could, uh, there's bingo 
where they give you cards and it's like you fill out the bingo according to like what's happening. Like comic talks about his mother. Comic says the word faggot, you know, and like you 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 mark off all the bingo spots. And if you get a bingo, you get you get to go up and perform. Yeah. Uh, there's and there's so many things and 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 also it's just the way that that mic is it's it's no nonsense you know it's just i don't know it's a ruckus yeah and people are having fun people are having fun yeah yeah people are having fun being sad and depressed and and not famous and i love that but but really all fun. the other like there's like almost five to ten open mics per night easy yeah easy for every night. Every single night. Yeah, and, and most of them are just sad, and everybody everybody just wants to make it so bad in this town, and there, there's no self-reflection in this town, you know? There's no self-awareness in this town. Everyone's like, why can't I get what that guy has? Yeah. And it's like, well, because you fucking suck. How about that to start with? And how long do these people, us, me, go around those open mics? How many years? Dude, it's every man for himself. Who knows? It's not, there's no... That's the thing about entertainment in general. There is no fucking equation, bro. Yeah. I could show you every story you've ever could imagine in your life, you know? I have a friend who was on Johnny Carson. Yeah. I have a friend. He was on Johnny Carson. He was on David Letterman doing stand-up 10 times. He kills. He won Star Search back in the day. Yeah. He's headlined almost every club you could imagine, and he can't get gigs out here because he's old or because he's quirky. You yeah. know, he doesn't like to ask people for things and he doesn't have the best agent or whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but he doesn't follow through or he doesn't follow up or he just hasn't developed into the next level of being. He never got, um, he never hit like a, a, a role, you know, he never, he never like locked in, you know, because, yeah, you headline clubs, but that's just money right there. It's not going to yeah. last you forever, you know? You do Letterman, you get a one-time fee. It's a good fee, but you're going to spend that money, you know? And if you can't, if, if you get to a point eventually where, like, you can't keep getting those gigs and you can't get a television deal or you can't sell a script or you don't, he didn't want to write for other people. Yeah. That was, I think, the key for him if I had to fit, fit one in because he was on the same kind of trajectory as, like, Larry David, probably even bigger and better than those guys, you know? Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's what kind of maybe that's what kind of fucked him in the end was that he had too much stand up um, credibility that he didn't want to write for other people, yeah. but not enough stand up credibility that he like got his own TV show for himself or his own movie for himself. And I don't think he wrote any films for himself to pitch. Yeah, I don't think there's necessarily room for all of these people. Right. I mean, there's so many talented people who are just not gonna get the shot, or the shot is gonna not gonna That's work. That's what I mean. There's so many people that are just gonna like, you know, fade away into nothingness. And you know, how long do people do those open mics? Who knows? I mean, look at some of the guys that you know I'm doing the 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 show about. You know, they've been the doing buckets. Yeah, show that we've been working together. Yeah, we're working on a show together called Buckets. Uh, it's probably gonna be an online thing. You know, that's fine with me. But it's just to showcase. These kind of the kings of the open mics, you know, there's guys that just, they're, they're, they're not going to get beyond that. I mean, they might. You never know. Like, Jared is talented if the right person, like, molded him into something. You know, like, when he says he wants to be the Mountain Dew guy, yeah. you know, there's, like, a wacky comic that's always at open mics all the time, been doing it for years, always on open mics. I've never seen him on a real show, but he's always on open mics. And he's just a wacko, and he's funny. I think he's funny, but he's just wacky. But when he says he wants to be the Mountain Dew guy and that's his goal and dream, I mean, 
I could see that, you yeah. know, I could see that if the right people yeah. at Mountain Dew, like really got to know him and, and trusted him and said, okay, Jared, this is what we need from you. Can you do that? And him being like, yep, I can do that. All you gotta do yeah. is show up. But yeah, who knows if he can show up on time. What's your relationship this to this? I mean, how long are you going to be doing this? Well, I don't know. I'm going to be doing uh, something forever, I guess. I mean, yeah. I do a lot of things. Because I you wrote draw, a novel. Yeah. I draw. I wrote a novel. I, I make zines. I make books. I cook. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't care either. Could you work no, in that pizza place for... No, I won't work in the pizza place. I'd, yeah. I'd open my own shop before I worked in that pizza place forever. I mean, I don't need... You know, I have the knowledge and the skill to do my own thing. And that's, yeah. that's one thing that I'll... I'll just do my own thing, you know. I'm not going to worry about uh, getting booked at the comedy store. You know, I'm going to... Yeah. I want to do it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I would love to be a paid regular at the comedy store and see my name in lights on the biggest clubs in the world. But that's, to me... I could also be the guy that just does his own thing. I could be the Vic Berger, you know? Yeah. Because you, I think you have all the skills and you do so much. So I'm curious how what what's going to take off. Well, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, you know, in a realistic way, I, I do think I'm good. And I mean, I think that I, I, especially now, have like a great like 20-minute set, 15-minute set that that just goes off. But I'm 43 years old, you know, and I think that's kind of like an issue. You know, because if, if if I'm 37, yeah. If any agent sees me, <clears throat> they think, "Oh, cool." But by the time I get this guy known in the world, he's going to be 50. You know, and 50s fine if you're like you've been doing it for super long and you're like kind of at that point and you're ready to rock. You know, but just come out, hey, check out his first 10 minute spot on Comedy Central. This guy's 50. It just doesn't really ring. With this industry, you know, for me it's fine. Obviously, I don't mind because I started late and I've done other things and I can do lots of things, you know. But you know, I've got to be realistic about what this industry wants to do, and this industry wants to build up young people, you know, and, I, and rightfully so because they want to collect a check for thirty years. You know, I'm going to be dead in thirty years, probably. C could be. So what's what's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't do know or care. Yeah, you don't need to know either. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any. I mean, anything I've ever done in my life has come exactly how I started comedy is exactly how I'm going to finish comedy. Like I don't care. Like if if you said to me today, "Hey, you know what you should do," and it was like a pretty funny idea and I liked it, I would say, "You know what? I'm going to do that." Yeah. Because you know, there's one there's one thing in in any art and even in life that really. I focus on there's one life mantra that I use and that's what got you there will keep you there you know and what got me to this point in comedy was just being myself and having no expectations and that's going to keep me there so you know I'm not going to melt down because the comedy store doesn't put me up even though I'm funnier than a lot of people that they do put up I know? know I know and that's being arrogant but it's also just being realistic you know I don't I mean I don't have any qualms saying that like comedy is finicky they'd rather put up sometimes they'd rather put up a woman who's not as funny as a man because there's already six men up that are super yeah. funny you know so and, and that's not even a jab at women in comedy because there's super funny women as well but i'm just saying it's a jab at the industry for like needing to be diverse they need to be diverse yeah. they have to at all costs and even if it costs them 10 minutes of funny they're like okay well she's good enough and she's a woman And we need that, you know? So 
I have to, I'm a straight white male and, you know, I'm the, the enemy in a <laughs> sense. So I have to fight that as well. I mean, it's, I, I don't even mind because I think comedy should be diverse. I'm not saying, it sounds bad when I say it, but it is when you are the guy, you know, if you're applying for a university and you know that they need to take a certain amount of people, if you're applying to law school and you're like a white dude and you know that they have to take a certain amount of like minorities and a certain amount of women, you're going to be bummed out because you're probably not going to make it. You're up against harder, you know. Yeah. If you're a, if you're a, like a if you're a Korean born, you know, immigrant adopted woman, obviously with like a great great grade point average that's like rocking you know they need that yeah everyone they need that everyone needs to fill this checklist and i mean i then they should i i it's it's like a weird thing right because it sounds like what i'm saying is like fuck those bitches put me up no no i'm not saying that but i am saying like you know if it's about funny just don't sacrifice the funny you can get diverse and funny yeah well you have the most difficult odds with that white american i mean i don't know maybe maybe not it sounds like white genocide but maybe i don't maybe it's maybe it is actually harder for those people maybe it's harder for a gay person to get on comedy because you know they they face more uh more discrimination than i do yeah so i could face a little bit of discrimination it's not that bad Hmm. how about do you want to talk about the quitting thing you got this quitting facebook sure i'll talk about that yeah because i didn't know was it the joke yeah it was was a joke yeah it was a joke yeah for sure um yeah, I painted a painting. You know, I paint and uh, you know, I painted a watercolor painting, and I, I really liked it. It was a really good painting. I thought yeah. it was. I was really proud of it. And so I posted it on Facebook, and I knew that it would get a lot of likes. You know, because you can you can always tell. Like if I post a picture of a quiche, that is like a bomb quiche. Yeah. People are gonna like. It's gonna go off. People are gonna like it. Yeah. So I I took it a step further, and I just said, if this painting gets one hundred, if this painting gets more than a hundred likes, I'll quit comedy and apply to art school. And yeah, it got like 350 likes or something. It just went off. And, and it was like the comment section was insane, you know? It was like just this, it went it went kind of semi, semi-viral, so to yeah. speak, you know, or amongst my comic friends and my friends. And, and then I just thought it was so funny, you know? So I just went with it. I just kept going with it. And I can't remember what, what else I kept I, I think you put that like, if this gets so many likes, you're going to quit comedy. Yeah, that's what I said. And then you got it. And then I got that many likes. Yeah. And then... Um, then I started like kind of complaining that I like about comedy. I can't remember exactly how it escalated. It kept going. There was like four or five posts. Okay, but it wasn't that real thing because it it seemed really real. No, it wasn't real at all. Yeah, it was completely fake. It was just like a joke on social media. Like it was just like one of those things where it's like, yeah, I know you guys are gonna like this. You're not gonna like my comedy. You're not gonna watch my videos, but you're gonna love this painting. You know? Yeah. It was just a way of kind of like just being sad about the reality that we live in. You know? Because you know, also agents are like, oh, yeah, you're really funny, but how many Instagram followers do you have? And how many Facebook followers do you have? And it's just like, dude, why? Why? Like, what are you doing? You know, oh, but we need somebody that has their own following. Why? That's why I want to get on TV. Yeah. So people know who I am and can see my comedy. I don't do the opposite. I don't do social media, so I, you know it's like people are—it's a real trap, you know. And it's and so yeah, that it was just—it was just a commentary on social media, and um, you know it was fun, and you know some people took it seriously and some people didn't, and I just I, I rode with it for a while, and then, uh, and then I had this old picture of me like in like you know short shorts and like a headband, 
Remember that? Did you see that part? No. Because then I started being like, you know, hey, I talked to my lawyer, you know, and um, this is a contract, but it's not a binding contract <laughs> and all this stuff. You know, I started like making stuff up about how I didn't, how I didn't want to quit, you know, and yeah. I, didn't, I didn't, you know, I would be like, oh, it's really sad. I don't want to quit. I know the painting was really good, but I, I don't want to quit. And I, I feel like I have to now, but I'm talking to a lawyer, you know, I think that was one of the things. And then eventually I, I said, yeah, I talked to this lawyer and he said, if this photo of me looking stupid gets more likes than the painting, <laughs> I can legally go back to doing stand up. <laughs> and hilariously enough, then there was people in the comments like, hey, everyone, go back and like the painting if you haven't liked the painting. <laughs> and um, the, I swear to God, the photo of me, the one, and, and I also told people to go back and unlike the painting. I said, go, I was, I was like literally writing people in the comments and tagging them and being like, hey, Amanda, did you like that painting? You need to go back and unlike that painting or I'll, I can't believe you. You think I should quit comedy, you know? And uh, people really, I don't know what they thought, but I don't know why they would think that it was serious, but, you know, it was... Uh, I felt that there was some kind of serious undertone there. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a serious undertone. I'm frustrated with that, with trying to make it in comedy. It's really yeah. difficult. You don't, get, you don't get support. You don't... It's meaningless, man. It is. It's like, sometimes I think about, like, my future, and I think... Um, which I don't like to do, as you could tell before. But if I think of my future in comedy, it's like it's like I have no idea. I'll do anything that I like, you know, anything. You know, yeah. I want to work with people I like. Anything, writing a movie, just anything that brings me any kind of money that I like doing, that I love. Or if it doesn't bring me money, like I would, wouldn't mind working a job. But if I love it and it gets me out yeah. there, you know. But when I think about like food, for example, there's so many ideas where I'm like, oh, I could easily just do that. Like, you know, my wife's from New Zealand. I could move to New Zealand, you know. I could, you know, try to take out a loan and buy like a small piece of land and build a garden farm uh, slash stone oven and, you know, open up my own bakery, for yeah. example. Or And that's an idea that I'm like, yeah, that would work. 100% that would work. And even if I had to get a side job, you know, like like I'm doing in comedy, get a side job to try to get your dream to work. I mean, I could easily make a food thing happen and make money from it and, and live a career. Easily. And be happy. I don't know if I'd be happy. I'm not, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if I'd be happy, but I yeah. could do it. Just the point being like, you know, when it comes to entertainment and comedy, it's so hard to get people to pay attention to you, even if you're good. I don't know why. Maybe maybe we don't need comics right now. Maybe the world doesn't need witty people. You know, When you look at Twitter, there's like, when Donald Trump says one thing, there's the same joke a million times. Like You could see one joke that you really like about something on Twitter, and you could Google it, and you could see a thousand people saying the same things. You know, So maybe we don't need that. Yet, there's not a lot of people growing food right now. You know, There's not a lot of people, believe it or not, there's not a lot of people uh, making fresh bread Right? I mean, I don't see bakeries all over L.A. No, no. But I see comics and entertainment and actors all over L.A. So I, I just feel like sometimes I just feel like, you know, and again, with the whole social media thing, it's like I'm not a social media guy. I like Twitter, but I've got 1,500 followers, you know? So I don't know if I can make it in this industry because this industry is so connected to social media and they want these YouTube stars and they want these fucking people that, that already sell it, sell the fucking thing for them because they're not – a lot of these agents, just like a lot of these comics and a lot of these entertainers and a lot of these clubs, they're not really about comedy, are they? They're about money. Yeah. 
And the food, selling food and drinks, that's the important part. Yeah, and, and that's sad to me. I mean, I know there are some real people out there, and that's why I love the Death Squad, and I love Rogan, and I love uh, Bill Burr, and I love Louie, and I love those guys that just like, hey, you know what? I mean, especially like, look at Louie. You know, hey, I'm going to put my special out for five bucks on my own website. And all his people were like, dude, what are you doing? That's You're just fucking just throwing money out the window. They're going to just rip it off. They're gonna, One guy's going to buy it, and he's going to give it to the world for free, and you're going to make five dollars and you're going to spend all your own money and you're going to fail and louis just said i don't know i don't care i want to do it my own way i want it to be the way i want it to be you know and i don't want to wait for hbo I'm and fine. he changed the industry and look what happened when yeah. he did that and that, that email he sent out was so genuine and so beautiful you know and he's just like hey guys i'm just asking you to buy it you know because i put my own money into it and it's not like yes i have money Yes, I'm probably richer than you are, but I'm not the guy, I'm not Clear Channel, and I'm not a one percenter, you know, I'm just a comic, and it's five bucks. He made it affordable, he made it available, and he made fucking so much money off of that, rightfully so. I bought it seven times. No. But, um, but that sounded good. Anything else for now? No, no, that's it, man. I, I, I don't, you know, check me out. MF David Deary, I'm motherfucking David Deary, you know. Again, I feel like I just talked your ear off, everyone's ear off. I can't see how anyone could be entertained by that. But, um, you know, who knows? It's just me complaining about how I'm a big, fat nobody. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> no, pl no, no problem. My pleasure. So that was uh, episode two with David Deary. Thank you. And <clears throat> we are going to continue soon. Some more episodes coming up. Thank you.